Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, here we are. We're home again. Home again, jiggity jig. Yeah, in fact, I, uh, you know, Linda, I wanted to call the show today Home Sweet Home. But we have, um, you know, we can only use a certain number of letters in the, in the uh, title, so we just called it Sweet Home. And then you got home and you said, well, we really still have a lot to talk about from when we were on the road. And so <laughs> I guess we're going to talk about how nice it is to be home, but how sometimes we miss the road, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know that we're missing it. We've been home two days this month, and it is really nice to be back and unpack for almost three weeks, two and a half weeks. And so, Hey, wait, didn't we get home? Uh, have we been home like four days, haven't we? Well, when we arrived home, we'd only been here two days. Anyway, right. so um, just so we get that straight, we had a wild uh, experience, which many of you probably have experienced. Um, we headed out for New York City, where two of our kids live. One of our sons just moved from Washington, D.C. to New York. So one lives on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, the other on the other West Side of Manhattan. They have to go through Central Park to see each other, which is really nice to have them that close together. Anyway, we got as far as Phoenix, and they canceled our flight last week. So um, it was a crazy thing because we could not get another flight. And Richard, you may want to just... I don't know how much in detail you want <laughs> you want to go. Well, it's crazy. We better leave the air. We better leave the offending airline nameless. Otherwise, you know, we'd sound like we were vindictive, and we don't want to sound vindictive. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's just one of those crazy things. But um, actually, they said that it was weather uh, weather related, but actually, it wasn't. It was all right. All right. I'll 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 since I'm not naming them, I can. I can tell how bad it was. But but I should tell you first, the, the happy thing is our connection was in Phoenix, and that's where we'd got to when they canceled the second leg of the flight. And so while everyone else was groaning and moaning and saying, oh, my word, I, I can't get to New York, and I've got to get back home, or I've got to get to my meetings, what will I do, what will I do, where will I stay, big storm in, in New York City, we were saying, well, Let's be serendipitous about this. We're in Phoenix, and we have a son and a daughter who live here. Let's just, and it's 80 degrees. <laughs> Let's just enjoy ourselves, and so we did. But the enjoyment was tempered a little by the fact that we could not get any satisfaction from this airline. I'm, and I mean, I'm telling you, it was we, we've both flown about three or four million miles, and this is the worst experience we'd ever had because... You know, we said, why did you cancel that flight? The airplane is here, and the flight is scheduled to get in at 11 o'clock in the evening, and the storm is, hasn't hit New York and is not predicted to hit there until early in the morning. And their answer really got us started. They said, well, we could get you in. We could get the flight in, but then we might not be able to get the flight out tomorrow because of the storm. And so, in my humble way, I said, well, does that mean that the schedule of the airplane is more important than the schedule of the 200 people who were on the airplane? And it went where it went downhill from there. I don't mean to imply that I was upset or anything. Oh, of course not. No, you're always so patient with those kind of things. 
But then, it, you know, it just got worse because they, they said, well, you'll have to reschedule your flight by calling the 800 number. Well, you've all called 800 numbers before, and you're used to waiting for 20 minutes or an hour or whatever. But in this case, you couldn't even wait. They were so overloaded with calls that you just got a loud, obnoxious, busy signal followed by being disconnected. And we tried that number. I would guess, well, I'm not going to put a number on We tried it quite often for two days <laughs> and never did get through. And, and finally, uh, we called another airline uh, that was supposed to be their partner, and they said, well, maybe you could just go to the airport and wait in line. <laughs> Yeah. So it was not a fun experience. But, again, the positive thing was, instead of spending that time with two of our sons in New York, we spent it with our daughter and our son in Phoenix, and it was certainly nice. It was absolutely delightful. We had such a good time. Um, we there. This family is building a new house, and so we actually went rented a car and went straight to the house so that we got a chance to see it. And then... We went to their house and were sitting at their dining table when they came home. Totally surprised them. It was really fun. It was great to catch up with the kids. We went to soccer games. We went to basketball games. We went to volleyball games. It was Valentine's Day. We got to see the Valentine boxes. It was really a lot of fun. So one of the blessings of being grandparents and of living quite a distance from your children, which many of you listeners identify with, is that when you're there, you are really there. I mean, you can't get enough of these kids. You can't get enough of their activities and so on. And, again, maybe we're just rationalizing, Linda, because one part of us wishes they all lived a little closer. But I always say to myself, if they did live next door, I wouldn't be near as excited about any of those things. Yeah, I think that's true. So, anyway, to make a long story short, well, we've already made it a long story, but um, we did never get to New York City, sadly, because we wanted to see our son's brand-new apartment, which is a five-story walk-up, and they have a baby, and I think it has two rooms, maybe three, but I doubt it. And the baby just learned to walk, so we missed that, but then we went on to Boston, and we had so much fun with our little Boston family. And, oh, we didn't even mention we had a speech in New York. And they canceled that, too, luckily, because we just couldn't get in. And then we had a great time in Boston with our four little Boston kids. One of our grandsons was being baptized, and so we had a great time being with them. So we really had a super time. Well, and the other thing that's so great, and again, we're we're finding so many things we love about the life phase we're in right now. And um, we don't want to make any of you younger parents feel jealous. Actually, (laughs) I'm just kidding in a way, because many times we long for the days when all our kids were at home with us. But um, one of the great... Well, (laughs) (laughs) I know you do, honey. I know you do. But one of the things that is so great about this life phase is, is that you have events that bring you together with your family and that bring you together with your in-laws. And we are really blessed. We have some of the greatest in-laws. Seven of our nine children are married, and all of them not only married people we love, they married people whose, whose parents we love. I mean, I used to be a little resentful of them because they actually thought they got equal time with the kids. I know, it was so rude, yeah, really rude. But once we got over that and realized what great people they are, it was wonderful. So 
when we go to baptisms now, which are coming very frequently, we always get to be only two of the four grandparents who are there. And the other two are great folks, and it's a wonderful time to be together. We call them co-grandparents. We don't call them in-laws. We call them co-grandparents because, after all, it's the grandkids that count. So we were there with our great co-grandparents to see this little boy get baptized, and it was wonderful. And not only that, I mean, this is more than you want to know, sorry, but I just have to mention that while we were in Arizona, we just happened to meet our co-grandparents who were just coming home from Brazil after spending a, a year and a half there. A different set And we honestly, they have a son that lives about six blocks away from our Shawnee, who we were visiting, and it just was the most amazing coincidence. They had not even been home yet, and they we just met in the same aisle in this huge grocery store, and it was a great reunion. So I mean, that is like that's like one in a I was going to say one in a billion. It almost is because. You know, they were in South America. They'd just gotten home. They don't live anywhere near Phoenix. We don't live anywhere near Phoenix. And here you run into them in the grocery cereal aisle or whatever it was. And how does that happen? I just don't know. But anyway, after all that, it really is nice to be home. Last week we talked a little bit about our trip to uh, Central America, which we'd just done five countries there. And so we'd been gone for a while. And then we had two days turnaround and then... We were off to this grand adventure that was maybe even more adventure than the other one. But um, now we are home, and it really is nice to be back home, to unpack our bags for a minute, and well, for two and a half weeks, which is really a treat for us, and uh, to enjoy the weather here. It's really warm where we are in Utah, and we expected to come back freezing to death, but it's not too bad. So I think we're just really, really lucky. Well, and, you know, we are we are leaving again in a couple of weeks, and we're going to Bali in Indonesia, and we're taking all of our grown-up children, which sounds like a crazy thing, and it sounds like we're the most extravagant sort of um, people in the world, and, and in fact, what you have to know is that when, maybe you've mentioned this on the show before, Linda, but when we sold our our dear family home where we'd raised all our children for all those years, it was so upsetting to some of them because that's where they'd grown up. It's the only home they'd ever known, and they could not believe we were going to sell that house even though we weren't going to live in it anymore. They thought we'd maybe just keep it as a, as a museum. A little keepsake. Go back <laughs> any old time. But uh, we finally decided to soften the blow by making the outrageous promise that we'd use part of the proceeds from the sale of that house to take everybody to Bali, which has some meaning in our family for various reasons that we'll get into someday. We should do a whole show on Bali sometime, honey. But at any rate, we're going soon. Now, you might say, wow, the problem with the Iyers is that they are just addicted to travel and a lot of you know we it's it's what we do i mean we go around and speak to parents and to people all over the world and so it sort of goes with the territory i would hate it i used to have to travel a lot with my consulting company and i hated that the difference is now i travel with you all the time honey and you're pretty 
pretty fun person to travel with. Plus, I can lean on you on the airplane and sleep. You know, you're such a yeah. I just love that. Person. I love that. I love the way you spread out your computer and all your food right across my computer, <laughs> and uh, all my food, and uh, then lay on my shoulder and go to sleep. It's really delightful. And I have to say, we do not go first class. We are crammed in the back in economy almost oh, we're the every back of the bus. time. We are. So it's Unless not they all say, that oh, you guys are two million milers, we'll upgrade you. But that and that used to happen, but it doesn't happen much anymore. The airline, a lot of things in this world have gotten better. Airline travel is not one of them. I'll just say that. Now, having said all those negative things and all those travel things, well, let me just say, we decided to call this this show "Home Sweet Home," and we really do want to talk about being home. In fact, I really think that. There is something about, I mean, I guess it's the old cliche, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think people who feel like they're in ruts, maybe it's because they haven't left for a long time. And sometimes it is good to get out of town for a few days. And one of the reasons it's good is that you appreciate it more when you get home. And when we come back from this brief break, we're going to do a little thing on how home is the best place in the world. And so we'll be right at back after a short break. Ayers on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. So we've been talking a bit about our travels, and now we're talking about how glad we are to be home. But before we go too far, part of home is being able to get ready for this next trip. And I have to say that part of home is also our grandparents, great-grandparents. On these trips, we've really been talking a lot about how important it is for our children to know about their ancestors and to know where they came from, to know about their hard times, to let them see that they successfully navigated hard times in some cases. In some cases, they were you know, struggling and so on and so on. It's important for kids to know that. Um, our children as well as our grandchildren because this, uh, we have a new favorite author, Bruce Feiler, who's saying that this is so important for kids to develop their own grit. They say to themselves, you know what, if they could do that, I can do this. I can do this hard thing. And so um, we decided on a really fun project for Bali. And we assigned, we have 16 uh, children and their spouses who will be with us. And so there are eight on our side of the family, my side of the family, eight on Richard's side of the family. And they are reporting on who those people are. We're having one dinner when they become those people. And they have to look up online and go to Ancestry.com or LDS.org and Family Family Search and find the stories about these people. And then they have to tell the story of their life on that dinner. So I think that's going to be my highlight, even though we'll be in a very nice place. Well, I, let me say a couple things on that, honey. Even though you're, we're not getting to being at home, <laughs> we, we will, though. We'll get to that in just a minute because I have some things to say about home. But I, I think... This is a great project, and it's your idea, Linda, and it's a great one. And we, the ones, the ancestors we assigned to these 16 adult kids who will be with us are what we call our right-angle ancestors. They're the ones that left the old country, immigrated to America. So they changed the course 
of history in a remarkable way for us and for all of their all of their progeny. So that'll be fun. And the other thing I want to say is that 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 comes almost as second nature to some of us who live in a culture where we all know about our ancestors and look them up and try to know things about them. That's fairly rare in the world. As we go out and speak to people and we say, hey, you know, you could collect a couple of stories about each of your grandparents and each of your grandparents and you could, great-grandparents, and you could have those be the bedtime stories for your children and so on. They, they think that's a very unique idea because they don't live in the same culture that we do here. Uh, but even in this culture, one of the problems is we look up the dates that our ancestors were born and died and where they were christened or baptized and when they got married, and we do that kind of genealogical work. But sometimes what we leave out are the stories, the things that make them human, the things that would allow our children to really identify with them and feel like they know them and feel like they can be sort of like what they were. And so that's, that's I think, the essence of Linda's idea for this trip, and it will be a lot of fun to see what each of our little researchers come up with on their assigned ancestor. We actually got this idea from someone else. It's not my idea. Some a wonderful person in our neighborhood who's just passed away and is just fabulous. She is the one that came up with this idea. I just had a family dinner. She said, at this family dinner, I'm assigning you. And actually, she had them wear costumes according to, you know, the era that they came from and so on. And we figured that was going a little too far to <laughs> pack up a bonnet to take, a, you know, <laughs> pioneer dress to take. But it really is fun for these kids to be aware of who their ancestors are and the sacrifices that they made so that they could we could be here in our home now. That's why I brought this up, Richard, because... Yeah, no, it's good. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing what we were if it weren't for these people. Well, and it's a good segue into my, my thing. I, Linda doesn't know what I'm going to say about home, so... I never know what you're I, I don't really know either. Let me just see how this comes out. I, on the plane on the way back this time, I was just thinking about, and Linda knows this, I'm at least a big part of me is really a homebody, and I kind of hate it every time we leave, which is too often. But uh, we're coming back, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, I even love the words that are associated with, with home. And I just, I, don't, I was just in a funny mood. I started thinking, think of the word home, H-O-M-E. Is it, it's just sort of a warm word. It just makes me kind of happy to say it. I was saying it in my mind, and I thought, you know, I... I really like, I like, I just love the word family. I, it just is a word. Who made up that word? Why does that sound so good to me? Why does that feel so good when I say it, you know? And, and then I just kept going. I thought, um, I love the word husband. Husband is, is such a, ooh, I, even more I love the word wife. And then Linda said, well, I don't love the word wife so much. It just doesn't sound as, it sounds a little subservient. And I said, well, not in your case. But I love that word. And then I thought, think of the word brother. Wow, that's a great word, brother. I like how it sounds. Or, or the word sister, or the word cousin, or, or, or the word uncle, even. It's a funny word in a way, uncle. Uh, aunt. Aunt is a funny word, too. Some of them are strange, but why do we have those words? And what have they come to mean to you in your life, and how do how do you feel when you say them? And there's something really incredibly 
powerful just about the idea of being at home. And, um, you know, I remember that one woman we heard speak once, Linda, that we were so impressed with who who'd, she'd been in, in the Holocaust. She'd been, she was a Holocaust survivor. She'd experienced so many horrible things. She'd been in war and so on. And she said all the time she was in those dire, dire circumstances, the the word that kept going through her her mind, the words that sort of kept her going, were a quiet evening at home. Yeah, in fact, I think that someone asked her of all the things that she missed, you know, and and longed for while she was in the concentration camp and just living through horrendous days every day. That was her answer. What I missed most was a quiet evening at home. It wasn't the excitement. It wasn't, you know, her 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 glitzy life that she'd had before. It wasn't travel. It wasn't. It, it was a quiet evening at home. It wasn't an event. It wasn't a big deal. It was a quiet evening at home. And and I think the problem a lot of us have, and and in our case we don't have this problem because we're gone so much, but. The problem a lot of us have is the things that we do so frequently or so often or so consistently are the things we begin to take for granted. And taking things for granted is a real problem because it's only a couple of steps from taking something for granted to no longer appreciating it, to thinking it's boring, to wishing for something else, and it goes on and on as a sequence and instead wouldn't it be wonderful if we could all have the perspective of wow that's what life is really all about I I read a quote uh, just recently and I'm going to just paraphrase it a little bit and it essentially said the way to see the world with joy and with gratitude is to imagine that you have never been here before and that you will never be here again or that you're seeing something that you've never seen before and that you will never see again. And and somehow that's an art, that's a that's a gift if we can just try to gain that so that when we have a quiet evening at home instead of saying, "Oh man, there's nothing happening tonight. What should we do? I mean, should we do I mean, what can we do? Should we go to a movie? What should we do something? I mean, are we just going to sit here all evening?" And, and maybe to turn that around in our mind and say, wow, what a great thing this is, a quiet evening at home. Nothing I have to do. I can just be here in the place I love most, which is my home, and I can feel the peace of being at home. I just, I wish we could all be a little more gifted at just appreciating the thing that is, when we all are honest with ourselves and analyze it, it's the thing that means most to us, our homes. It really is. And in fact, when we think back on our own homes, those of, who, of us who have been away from our home for a long, long time, um, it is such an amazing thing to think about. And hopefully most of you had great home experiences, but I had such an idyllic childhood. I grew up in Montpelier, Idaho, up in Bear Lake. I rode my bike around. Um, 
without any fear of um, anything. I mean, we left our doors unlocked. Richard's still mad at me because I don't like to lock our doors because I'm just not used to it. And it really is quite an amazing thing to think about your own idyllic childhood and then the home that you've created because of the many things that your parents taught you. It is something very special about that. Well, there's another aspect to that, though. If, you, if you're a person who, again, this is that same tendency to, it's sort of the grass is greener on the other side of the fence syndrome where so often we're like, well, yeah, I, I, I kind of like my home, but I wish my home was bigger or I wish yeah. my home had more stuff in it or I, I wish that I lived in a little different neighborhood or I wish that I, um, you know, had a, a roof that didn't leak once in a while or just whatever it is. It's so easy for us to focus on the negative and say, uh, if only this was a little different, I'd really like it. Or if only if I could just make a little bit of a change, I'd really like it. And, and what a gift to instead to be able to say, you know, nothing's perfect. And I, I, I don't want to compare myself with other people, but this is my home. And there's nothing like being home. I think it's a quality that that can actually be developed. I just think we have to work on ourselves a little. Yeah. And, and the easiest way to work on it is is go away for a while, or, or you know, be put in a camp, or or you know, be forced not to be at home. Then you'll really start loving your home. But the great thing would be if we could, you know, without those depravities or those those terrible things happening to us, or without even a lot of travel, if we could just say, hey. I like it. I'm here. This is my home. I feel good here. And then do the little things. You're good at this, Linda. You, Linda, uh, Linda even makes a hotel room feel like a home because, you know, there's just something about you. Well, I guess I do. <laughs> well, you sort of are home to me, Linda. I, I say to. Well, there was one stretch last uh, a week and a half ago where we we'd slept in eight different beds in ten days. And and you might say, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. And I said to Linda, well, I better be careful how I say this. Any bed's a good bed if you're in it. But you know what I meant. I wasn't <laughs> no innuendos there. <laughs> I just like being with you. You're home to me. Yeah, but yeah, we have a fun job. Luckily, we do this together. And uh, I do have to say that we've just been with a little daughter in Boston just to close off the show who really, she's living in a darling little house, but she's stuck because they're over their heads in their mortgage. And she they have one bathroom, four children, and then when guests come, it's one bathroom with six or eight people. And it really is so funny because um, they last week, they've tried everything to find another place to put the bathroom. It's just a tiny house. We can't, they can't find it. But that's a good way to handle it because they love their home and they we love their they home do it's love charming and and we're out of time but say the last word well the last word is home sweet last three words home sweet home we hope that you all love your homes and if not learn to love them because you're there we'll see you next week